0: Welcome to Field Notes by AgChoice, a podcast series covering timely, relevant topics for Pennsylvania's agricultural and rural communities. Each episode will include an interview of an AgChoice expert or one of our industry partners discussing information you need to know. My name is Rachel Saddison and with me today is Joel Semke, REAP coordinator for the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture and State Conservation Commission. The Resource Enhancement and Protection Program, also known as REAP, allows farmers, landowners, and businesses to earn tax credits for implementing best management practices to enhance farm production and protect natural resources. The program has been in place since 2007 and has been an excellent resource for the agricultural community while protecting our air, land, and water. Today, Joel joins me to discuss REAP and common questions about the program. Joel, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Oh, hi Rachel. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm always appreciative of opportunities to you know talk about the program, talk about some of the the finer points, especially as we get into into tax season and and before farmers get really really busy with planting and all that. So yes, I'm very Appreciative of the opportunity to talk here today.
0: Wonderful. So let's go ahead and get started. So, Joel, you joined us last year for a full episode really on the basics of REAP, which we'll link to in our podcast show notes. However, for any listeners joining us today who aren't familiar with REAP, could you give us a quick high-level overview about the program and really how farmers utilize REAP?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, And, and, you know, your intro there hit on a lot of the high points of the
0: program already. You know, it
1: it was a great intro there. Uh, The program's been around since 2007. It was really um, started with sort of a partnership between Chesapeake Bay Foundation and some other agencies in in the state to to provide another maybe alternative route to help farmers fund water quality projects, you know. uh, things that that reduce nitrogen and phosphorus and sediment runoff to to local streams and ultimately the, the Chesapeake Bay it is a statewide program and and every year you know our funding covers about oh 350 applicants you know that's that's there's there's that many people across the state applying and and getting getting approved and and that uses up our 13 million dollar uh allocation annual allocation of of income tax credits so program reimburses farmers in the form of PA income state or excuse me there PA uh state income tax credits that they can use dollar for dollar to pay that PA income tax bill over the course of 15 years uh the other option then for farmers is to sell them or transfer them to to other parts to other members of the business to family members that sort of thing uh but yeah the the program's been been very sustainable. It's been used uh every year we have we use up all of our allocation and, and it's proved very popular with the PA legislature and others. So uh yeah, moving forward we, we hope to continue to reach out to more and more farmers to get new farmers into the into the into the program and, and really reach out to 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 certain communities that maybe don't uh use traditional funding programs.
0: Thanks, Joel. So when working with our ag choice customers, we often get questions related to the tax treatment of the REAP credits. Specifically, what happens when, let's say, an LLC, which we know is treated tax wise as a partnership, is awarded credit?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. Um so so you sort of hit on that. REAP tax credits they're awarded to um either an individual social security number, you know, if, if a farmer is operating on their own and, and that's how they they run their business, or just like you mentioned there, an EIN for the for the business. So that that could be an LLC, a partnership, an S corp, one of those pass-through entities. Those are c- quite common. You know, lots of family farms are set up that way, and we get lots of REAP applications in the in the form of an EIN. So the tax credits are are awarded to that EIN, and then come tax time, they're passed through to the individual members of that of that entity, just like the income. Um so so that fifteen year carryover for REAP credits, you know I mentioned that uh farmers can use those credits over the course of fifteen years, that stays at the LLC level in, in this example, the LLC. Uh they stay sort of parked, so to speak, in that that EIN account and every year the 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 business entity has to dictate to Department of Revenue how they're going to be passed through to the individual members. Uh, and that and that happens on the PA the the reap claim form. So, first step there, I guess, is to figure out what the individual members um, what their tax bills are going to be, and then you pass through that amount. And and the individual members can can pay 100% of their PA income tax bill with the credit. Uh, now, <laughs> the the tricky part, and and before I before I go on any further, I, I want to say. It's very important here. You know, I am not an accountant, and I am trying my best to provide some overview and some broad answers to questions. But, but farmers, uh, please, you know, reach out to your accountants, your financial advisors. There, they're they're, they're going to be the best uh, advice to you on a personal level and how your your business can best take advantage of these. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, you, you know, the, the the credits get passed down just like income. So what can happen there? is if the individual members of those of that um, business entity have dramatically different tax bills, let's say one member has, you know, their PA income tax being, ends up being zero, that can really impact how the other members can use the tax credits because, you know, they're passed down according to state membership stakes. So if somebody owes zero to the state, they can't have credits passed to them so then the other members are impacted by that and and in, in um, transferring or passing through any credits like this you know if you pass through those credits can't be rolled over they can't be carried over for the 15 years so you can only pass down what a person can use for that tax year so that's very important to remember when you're talking to your accountants that can really get that can complicate things and you know come come april or March, I'm very glad that I'm not an accountant trying to deal with all those calculations. That is a factor that folks in LLCs and partnerships and S-Corps need to remember when they're Figuring out how much to pass through to individual members.
0: Yeah, good information there, Joel. And you're you're right. Uh, talking with the tax accountant is uh, is very important for for farmers that get these rate credits. So uh, another question here for you. So we know that a key part of the program is that the tax credits can be sold to individuals or corporations that are wishing to reduce their tax liability by them purchasing the tax credits. So I guess first you know, if a farmer is interested in transferring credits to either, you know, other friends or family members, really, how does that work, and are there any, you know, specific considerations for the farmer to keep in mind?
1: Sure. Uh, yeah, so so just like you mentioned, uh, credits can be transferred down to other family members or, or friends or whoever, really, or they can be sold. Now, two things have to happen first before a farmer can do that. Uh, number one... The, the farmer, the primary recipient of this credit, they need to use that credit in the year that it's issued first. Uh, even if even if you know you only owe ten dollars, you need to use that credit to pay that ten dollars, and then that frees you up for the the second second uh, part. There is you need to wait one calendar year. So if, for example, you know, if a farmer in 2020 they had a credit awarded sometime during the year in 2020, 2020 tax. Year is the first time that they can use that. So right now they want to claim this credit to pay that 2020 bill if they owe anything. If they don't owe anything, that requirement is waived, and you move on to the second requirement, which is to wait one calendar year. So the you know whether you're transferring it or selling it, what have you, you have to wait till the date of issuance on the credit plus one year, and then you can submit an application to sell it or transfer it. That that application to sell it or transfer it is the same. You know when you're transferring it to a family member, you're just selling it to them, so to speak, for zero dollars uh and and the important part there for farmers to remember is that that has to happen before the end of the year before december thirty first so of of whatever tax year we're talking about so uh yeah farmers and and you know family members they really need to back up that tax plan and do some ahead thinking ahead and figuring out how much they're going to owe or what they think they're going to owe come tax, you know, come April when they're filing uh or March, I guess, depending on what type of entity you are. Uh and then they need to get that application to me prior to December 31st. Uh for the, for the recipient of that transfer, they can only pay 75% of their PA tax bill with the credit. So that's one further calculation that you need to do before you submit that application with the amount because again, if you if you transfer more than the person can use in any given year that that unfortunately is lost. There's no ability to to roll that over for next year or or put it back into the the account of the primary recipient so uh yeah, big thing there plan ahead and and one more administrative thing. it's really good if farmers can do that um get those applications to meet you know by December first because really. That gives them a chance if something goes wrong at Department of Revenue, if Department of Revenue says, wait, this person owes us a tax form or something like that, that that transfer recipient and that, that uh, transferee, they have a chance then to correct that issue and get it done prior to December 31st.
0: So next, could you tell us a little bit more about the sponsorship option for tax credits, really? How does that process work, and are there any tips you have for farmers who might take that approach, Joel? Uh,
1: yeah, so, okay, so sponsorship, uh, it, you know, was written back in 2007, right into the REAP law. It was envisioned as a, a way for uh, businesses or other individuals to to get involved with their local ag community to help farmers um, implement some of these water quality conservation practices on their farms. So so the way this works, um the the sponsor is really the applicant to reap. The credits go right to that sponsor for, you know, their input, their their funding uh that goes to the farmer. So the farmer they submit the application based on their eligibility. You know, their the eligibility for REAP is is um is ag compliance, clean streams ag compliance. So it's still based on the farmer's compliance with the law, but the the sponsor is really the applicant, and the credits go right to that applicant. Uh, but anyway, in sponsorship, um, you know, we have about, the last two years we've had about 50 sponsors, so, so there's really very little restriction on who can be a sponsor. The, the Really, the, the only restriction is that that, that that sponsor has to be liable to pay some sort of PA income tax. So uh, any bu- any business, any individual, or a trust, or or a bank can act as a sponsor. So the rules uh, written right into the law back in 2007 are, are fairly intentionally vague about sponsor. A sponsor helps fund the the project. Now there has to be a written financial agreement between the sponsor and the farmer. But you know the state, myself, the state conservation commission we don't ever see that agreement so it's pretty wide open what what the farmer and the sponsor agree to in terms of details so uh maybe one of your specific questions there was when when that happens you know when the farmer sees funds out of this that is really up to the farmer and the sponsor to say uh okay is the sponsor going to fund things up front and then receive the credits after the project is done or are they going to is the farmer going to take care of all the business pay all the bills, and then the sponsor's going to reimburse them and, and get credits at that point. Uh, the things that I need to see on a sponsorship application, um, just the checkbox that there is that agreement, the financial agreement, and then also addendum agreements to make sure that everybody understands who's responsible for maintaining that project. You know, whether it's uh, the farmer, obviously, is, is responsible. It's on their farm. They're the ones that have to maintain it, even though they didn't get tax credits for it. They got you know, cash. But, uh, back up here a second. I mean, the sponsor gets the tax credits, the tax credits, then they, they can use them for up to 15 years. Uh, they can carry them over year to year. The farmer though, really just sees cash out of the system, uh, which might be better for their current operation. It gives them maybe a little bit more flexibility to, in dealing with cash rather than PA reap income tax credits. Um, Another another aspect of sponsorship that's really beneficial to farmers is that th- there's really no there's no cap. You know, when farmers apply on their own, there is a a limit, a two hundred fifty thousand dollar credit limit that they can receive in any seven year period. With sponsorship, that there is no cap. So when you have farmers working on really big projects, stuff you know, five hundred thousand six hundred thousand dollar jobs. You know, maybe there's maybe even higher. Maybe there's a manure digester or something like that involved. Sponsorship can really be a great option because the sponsor can receive three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand, and on up of credits. Whereas if the farmer had applied on their own, they would be capped out at two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So that that is a another key benefit of they get all the rights and privileges of getting that credit. You know, they get the fifteen year carryover of that credit. Uh, capability to use it. There's no cap. They're, they um, can pay 100% of their tax bill with that credit, rather than you know. In contrast to what I said about selling and transferring, instead of that 75% rate that they could have if they bought the credits. Um, so we've been we've been working hard over the last two years to try to to really ramp up the use of this to to make sure farmers are aware of it, to make sure farmers understand it. Uh, because it seems like a, uh, it really helps with the immediate cash flow, maybe, of a farm operation. Now, you know the the downside of that is the farmer, you know, they get that cash from the sponsor. That's reportable income, rather than a tax credit, which is not reportable income. So there are there are issues to think about there. They don't have that flexibility of a tax credit over the course of 15 years. You know, when you receive cash, that's all in one year, one time to deal with all the bills and, and whatnot. Whereas a tax credit over the fifteen course of 15 years, a farmer could use for unforeseen circumstances. You know, you sell, you have a year where you sell a lot, the economy is great or whatever. That tax credit can be very useful in those years. So that is something farmers need to think about. Uh, one other thing that, that um, you know, participants in sponsorship have told me, uh that that is is a concern to them is that the they're not farmers are not fully in control of the timing of this thing always because uh the, the credit is issued after department of revenue does a compliance check on that sponsor which you as a farmer you can't control <laughs> the tax compliance status of the business down the street uh however in general um, you know the 50 some odd farmers that have used this process over the last few years have been have been very pleased with it or, or their thoughts are that this should be something that farmers across the state take more advantage of. So and Anna always farmers can reach out and talk to me. And anything in reap uh reap questions, reap applications, everything comes to my desk. So I guess that's that's one thing I wanna stress here. If you have questions, uh if you have concerns, uh details, please reach out to me. I can help help answer questions as best I can.
0: Agreed, thank you, Joel. And I know a number of you know iChoice customers and our staff have reached out to you on many occasions over the year uh, with all their questions about REAP. There's just so much to learn, so much to understand. I guess, uh, Joel, what other common questions do you get uh, from farmers about the REAP program, and any of those you'd be willing to share?
1: Sure, yeah. Uh, I guess common questions I get, you know, are, are how you go about claiming this credit. Which right now we're in tax. Tax season, and there are some details to you to, to that process. I guess at first I would back up and say, you know, again we we have three hundred to three hundred farmers that use the program every year. Uh, so while it can seem daunting at first, it's something different than cash or check. Uh, it is it is something that farmers are getting good use of at this point in the program. You know, the the state has awarded uh, almost one hundred five million dollars worth of tax credits to farmers all across the state. So. And about, you know, 60% of those credits are being used year to year on, on PA income tax returns. So that that it, I, I say that to encourage farmers. It, it might seem like a daunting process at first, but uh, plenty of people are doing it. Plenty of accountants around the state are getting used to the system, uh, so it, it can be done. Now, uh, back to what I was going to say. Uh, this time of year, you know, claiming this credit is really a two-part two process uh, paperwork, and this is the common issue I find with farmers uh, and accountants is they miss one of these steps. It's very easy to f- forget about the second step here, but the first step is figure out how much you owe on your PA income tax, you know, your Schedule 40, all those different schedules that you fill out with your accountant, um, figure out how much you owe. The second part is to fill out the REAP claim form with that amount. You figure out how much you owe, and then you claim it on this REAP claim form that gets faxed to... The number at the bottom of that tax form uh, uh, you know that's that's uh something that seems odd that there's a two-part process to this and and uh you're not quite sure what this reclaim form is for but that that is a very important part and that is something i hear from farmers many times you know come november even in a year their farmers will say well i don't know what happened to my tax you know i claimed it on the schedule 40 and i just never they never honored that claim well, the claim form has to be submitted, uh, and you have to send it to a separate spot than the Schedule 40. The schedule 40 goes where it always does. Claim form goes to its where it goes. Uh, and if you don't do both parts of this process, that can really hinder the use of these credits. Um, so yeah, I just would wrap it up here saying that, hey, you know, there's a lot of farmers now that are taking advantage of this. Uh, I, I'm here to help. Um, Accountants are certainly getting familiar. They're a great source of information, more more so than me even. So uh, we are accepting accepting applications here, fiscal year 2020 applications until March 1st. So our funding for this fiscal year is almost gone, Gone, but uh, there's no harm in submitting an application. So if you're hearing this and you have a project in mind, please submit an application. Uh, there's certainly no, no harm in that. If we don't have funds for you, you just get rolled over to next summer, 2021 summer, uh, for our next pot of funding. You don't have to resubmit new paperwork or anything like, like that. that. So certainly, if, if you have something in mind, please apply.
0: Okay, good. Any other final thoughts to share with our listeners here today, Joel?
1: No, I'm always uh, always happy to hear from farmers. Uh, so, yeah, stress that. Please call me. <laughs> I'm always mm-hmm. happy to get out of my little office and box, even if it's just to talk to farmers, uh, see how they're doing in their parts of the state and, and uh You know, the things that are interesting to them, I'm always glad to have conversations. So, Um,
0: yeah. Okay. Well, great. Well, Joel, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today to really answer some of these common questions about reef. And and thanks for your ongoing support uh, to farmers and all of us industry professionals out here uh, working on the reef program.
1: Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. Everybody have a good day. Have a good week. Stay safe out there.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Listen to other episodes of Field Notes by AgChoice posted at agchoice.com podcast.